Welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, a podcast coming at you from Eastern Washington, East Lake Tri Cities. Uh, we take the message preached there on Sunday and just continue to chew on a little bit, usually throw in some life anecdotes and such, uh, and just hopefully make this entertaining and light and quick for you and whatever you're doing during your week. Uh, normally, we have. So sounds so weird to call him pastor. pastor. I know, nobody really calls him pastor. But. <laughs> but our teaching pastor, Brent Johnson, is normally in the hot seat with me. I'm Margo, the, uh, one of the assistant pastors here. And uh, I am Kylie. This is Kylie. I'm married to the one who's usually in the hot seat. We also have a little bouncing baby on my knee right now. Who is making himself known if you yes. turn up that volume. <laughs> he is one for attention, this one. But uh, for sure. Uh, Brent is gone. He is away in California, so don't feel too bad. Yes. Uh, but Kylie's here juggling kids and life solo right now. As he sends me pictures of the views of the ocean <laughs> from his <laughs> Not cool. It is technically a work trip. He's meeting with some other church planters down in California. It's a great team of people. Uh, we're super fortunate to have them uh, just as a support system and to get to learn learn things from them and bounce ideas off of them. But every once in a while, the wives don't get to join on these trips and uh, this is one of those wiles. So, womp, 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 womp. He, better, he better come back with some flowers or California sunshine or Just something. Just a little something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this week is exciting because we just kicked off a new series called Guardrails. And it's all about boundaries, which you're like, wow, this sounds very exciting because who doesn't love boundaries? <laughs> we love rules and... around here. <laughs> Maybe you were that kid that was a rule follower. Were you a rule follower, I Kylie? I was for sure a rule follower. I didn't necessarily always follow the rules, but I liked to enforce everyone else oh. uh, to follow the rules, including my sister and my cousins. I was the oldest cousin on one side, so I got to be like... A scorekeeper on who was being the best kid and I was always being the best kid you always had your finger on the pulse <laughs> totally and now it's hilarious because that's London and you've witnessed that Aww. like London is for sure a rule follower she knows all the rules doesn't follow them all the time herself but and she then, definitely makes sure Grayson and Joby do and then you have your now it's so weird to say second youngest son yes. Grayson who, who may not be <laughs> Not, he doesn't recognize rules. Everything's gray. Everything like gray for gray, Grayson. Gray for Grayson. <laughs> yeah, everything is subjective on uh, do I want to do this or do I not? Is this going to yeah. be fun or not? And he'll straight up tell me, hey, buddy, why did you dump the dog food everywhere? I just really wanted to. I just really wanted to. <laughs> buddy, I told you to be really careful. I told you not to do that. But I really wanted to. Okay. Well, it's honest. Apparently, that is how you base all of your decisions. <laughs> But it's hard, even as adults, like you may laugh at your child, but when I ask myself, hey, why haven't I eaten a proper meal in like two days? Uh, <laughs> probably because I didn't want to. And right. why have chicken breasts and veggies when you can have chips and dip? So Totally. Now I wanted me to, but in the moment I didn't want to. So uh, as much as we can't give Grayson a hard time, because I feel like we all fall into that rut. And in fact, we're talking before this podcast started about... Um, a series on boundaries is super helpful, especially as adults. We can think, oh, well, that's just for teenagers to, you know, keep them out of trouble and keep right. them out of county prison or something. Okay. But when you are an adult and it's all on you to enforce how you live your life, it is really hard to self-police. Yes. When you're the only one putting up those boundaries or those rules, the only one holding you accountable. Yeah. Um, because teenagers have, you know, at school, there are certain rules they have to live by. There's people keeping an eye out. Right. Holding yeah. them accountable. Right. 
But uh, as adults, we kind of step into this wonderful world of I can eat cereal at 11.45 p.m. (laughs) as much as I want to. And I can never go to the gym, never go to the gym. (laughs) And I can not brush my teeth or, you know, all of these Mm -hmm. things that Someone's always been keeping an eye on it for you, and you reach a point where you're the only one. And, and in fact, you you hear of adults that avoid accountability, be it uh, some people never want to be in a official relationship because they don't want a spouse to crimp their style. Or I know pe- um, so many people that avoid either the dentist or the doctor or both because they're like, oh, man, I just I know what they're going to say. Yes. They're going to so say, they're- I need to floss. They're going to say, I need to stop drinking soda and... Yes. not drink so much beer and I it's just don't want to so hear it funny so. or they swing the other way and what do we do as adults we hire a personal trainer or so so you know we go to the go to the dentist we we call for our six months appointment we don't even wait for the reminder call because we're, we want someone to be telling us what to do we want someone to be on top of it for us and kind of funny how it swings the opposite way sometimes yes it's definitely a challenge to self-police so i know for me i'm looking forward to the series i know my husband has already said like i've already was thinking about making some like more positive changes in my life and this is just good to maybe we're all in it together for this next month or so (laughs) yes i like it a good good hype up it's almost like a new year's new year's series but coming at us when everyone's dropping off the new year's well, that's good because now there's more space in the gym. That elliptical is probably open. <laughs> right. So. Now it's a little bit more manageable to try yeah. and go. You guys, I'm so sorry. It's okay. We're just having Clive also talk about how he doesn't like his style to be crimped, guys. Right. Like, stop. stop <laughs> so one of the things that uh, Brent had mentioned in his talk was he often mentioned that the number one thing that people talk about, especially in a church setting is alcohol and how, you know, drinking's bad or drinking's fine. And depending on what background you had, uh, you probably heard some version of that one side or the other, or um, maybe not even a church setting, but you know, your family has a history of alcohol abuse or just making poor decisions. And I know a lot of people that say, Hey, I'm just not going to do that. It's not for me. So I, I wanted to get to the nitty gritty Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, throw it out there. Kylie, were you a party girl in college? Oh, the biggest party girl ever <laughs> no it's funny because brent mentioned we both were raised in home so my mom was my mom was um kind of a hardcore and she came from a family where alcohol was abused uh several different substances actually and so for her when she stepped into the church she really valued those boundaries because she didn't have those as a teenager and then um it almost caused her to kind of swing well both of my parents really to swing really heavily into we don't drink at all because drinking is a sin really at that point it was almost like they built a fence in front of the guardrail guardrail yeah um as like an extra boundary and so that's how i was raised that's really how brent was raised too and so um you know our first experience outside of that and that's i think um maybe generational too but first experience outside of that i remember thinking brent mentioned we went to this church and they were you know, they brought a keg to the staff retreat and I went up to the room and I cried and I was like, we have been hired by heathens. We are all going to hell in a handbasket. It was like, it was, um, really eye opening for me to try to to merge those two things. Because I think 
um, you know, growing up a lot of times you just think anyone in authority over you telling you something, well, they know what they're talking about. It's, and like you, you've seen people that have abused alcohol, so it makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, I had I had seen it and witnessed it, and so yeah, just trying to merge those two is really really interesting. How about you? Were you a no, no? <laughs> I was a big wimp of getting in trouble and all that stuff. I always got caught for everything. My mom would say like they didn't have to worry about me because if I did anything out line, someone was there to witness it and turn me in right away. So that helped. Um, I also had like people that like I loved in my life that didn't have great relationships with alcohol either that like didn't, it definitely didn't seem glamorized to me. Yeah. Like I didn't have that misconception of yeah, drinking so much is awesome and all this stuff. Right. Um, so I normally was, in fact, the designated driver, or yeah. I should say designated walker because I didn't have a car in college. Uh, but... It was a great responsibility. It was a hard responsibility other times. Uh, and rugby, they'd rent a little shuttle bus, and I would drive all the rugby girls home <laughs> after our rugby parties. It was great. And then oh, um, awesome. my closer friends that chose to perhaps overindulge a little bit, uh, I'd walk them home. But then there's also the whole, like, how do you keep friends that are in a great mood occupied? Yes, I want to hear this. <laughs> so, I want to hear this. How do you, Margo? So one of the tactics that I used was just trying to keep them busy in whatever means possible. So um, until they dried out a little bit. And so <laughs> we had this uh, this game that we'd play. There was a girl that we knew on campus that was kind of unstable. Like she was really obsessed with like certain guys on campus in a creepy way. And we're just like, how do we, how do we warn these individuals that they have a stalker without like Ooh, this game sounds spicy so, so one of the the guys that this girl was obsessed with to creepy proportions like figured out his whole college schedule which is really hard if you're not in the same classes yeah like you literally have to trail someone and skip your own classes to find <laughs> so we're like we gotta we gotta let him know we gotta we gotta fill fill him in so uh we headed out to the place where he worked which was at the college library and okay. we we would go in and we know that one of his job was to go around and pick up stacks of book and tidy up the library so we would you know those little pieces of scrap paper and the golf pencils that you oh, yes. use to write your book numbers yes we'd go around the library and write love notes to him <laughs> from this girl so that he would know to beware <laughs> be very aware so then it became oh. It became this whole game of like trying to come up with funnier notes every time. That's awesome. And new places to hide them. Like you'd put, we'd put one on like the copier, like that you had to pay for. And I was like, oh, oh man, I can't even remember what his name was. I think it was like Sean or something. It's like Sean is as hot as these fresh copies or something. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Then did you stay and watch him like find oh, well, these love notes? So this is like the horrible thing. It became something that we just enjoyed doing, and it became <laughs> less of like a public service for him and more like a way to pass the time whenever we got bored. Nice. So we saw over the course of the semester him go from this kind of lighthearted, jovial college student yeah. to like paranoid looking oh, around poor every Sean girl. from the library. <laughs> <laughs> He'd look around and be like, uh, which one is she? Oh, I don't know. I don't know who so she is, funny. but she's here. I know she's here. <laughs> and so we did that for like that was my last year of college. And I could tell that he was kind of getting stressed out. So I'm like, I should probably I should probably stop this game. Oh so uh, did you just like quit cold turkey or did he So I, I 
did you could tell that he wasn't like he thought it was the eye of the hurricane a little bit yeah because i may have when i went to visit some friends next year went to the library and left some notes <laughs> for some good old time's sake just to well, you just had to make sure you still felt loved like yes. john you're still liked and actually it was really awkward we met once at a party Oh, yeah. And I found out, like, we have tons in common. We love New Zealand and the All Blacks rugby team and all this stuff. And I was like, I can't be friends with him because <laughs> one day he's going to find out that I am the orchestrator of something that's almost given him a nervous breakdown for the last year. <laughs> I can't even start liking you, Sean. We so, cannot find commonalities. <laughs> I, maybe his name isn't Sean. That's probably for the best because he probably fled to we the other side. We changed it just for his Yes, safety. for his sake. But... If you're out there listening, I'm I'm really sorry, and I will pay for whatever counseling you had to go through. But trust me, I was just trying to keep you safe from this unnamed girl. Yes, because she was no one. That's quite a way to pass the time. I like it. Yes. So that was that was my tactic. That is great. Helping my friends stay out of trouble by causing minor trouble. Yes. Good college stories. It's a good little segue into the uh, other portion that Brent touched on with the uh, everybody wants someone to put boundaries up for their teenage kids in yes. the area of sex. And uh, he shared some stories about when we were in youth ministry and what society tells us is always wait until you're ready. Wait until you're ready. And um, girls are a little bit still afraid of that kind of, well, the girls that I met with were still a little bit afraid of that topic in junior high boys on the other hand um felt like they were born ready and had no problem sharing it and um and it's tough i feel like because for a lot of kids they can't distinguish like they're ready like as a, as a kid all you want to do is be an adult right because right. you want like all of the freedoms and the coolness that comes with being grown up you want that right you're you're quote unquote ready for that um, right. But sh- I don't think they realize like the ramifications of just being that vulnerable with another person and yes. things like that, that they probably aren't ready for. Yes, and what that brings into a relationship or other relationships. If it's just casual and mm-hmm. um, this isn't a person that you'll eventually be married to, then you're, that's a, you know, it's a whole own other mess that um, for sure in little junior high, even high school or college or whatever minds is a big deal. And so, um, yeah, I thought that was thought that was a good another good spot that he chose to kind of take it where where is the actual we like painted lines we like the painted line of don't have sex until you're ready when really um, we like that we like that flexibility the flexibility of being it's able on to my hover terms. closely yes, yes yes whereas you know a boundary that in the church a lot of times we put up and brent has even said it in messages is the healthiest place for sex is within the context of marriage and that's the guardrail that maybe um are you yeah just here you can go way off the ledge um if this guardrail isn't in play or i'm trying to remember how he oh like guardrails are there to protect us yeah they're there to protect us protect our heart protect our our spouse's heart protect our relationships i also love that um you know kind of in the area of relationships with other people, um, when you are married, it's diff- it's it's easy to call it harmless banter or, you know, the, the work wife. I've heard of a lot of people like, this is my work wife. And then it, it starts out really, really innocent and you never plan for it to go anywhere. But, you know, it does. We've sat down with couples and met with them and it does happen. Um, 
So setting up those guardrails is, is harmless banter living in sin. Absolutely not. But without something still set up in safety, without a boundary set up in safety, it can cause you to uh, feel safe drifting over to a place that leads to destruction. So, and you brought up something earlier about how a lot of guardrails aren't in place necessarily. <laughs> yes. Like as you're saying this, I'm remembering the full thought that I had when he was oh, talking. Good. So he talked a little bit about like, especially like New Year's Eve when you're driving, right? You're defensively driving. Cause it's not so much like, I know I didn't like, I didn't drink at all or I didn't drink enough to her to impair my driving, but you never know anyone else on the road. And I know yeah. you're usually on New Year's or holidays. You're usually 4th of July. You're hyper aware that there are probably people making poor decisions around you. Right. Um, and you want guardrails between you and them. Absolutely. Because you want that protection. And I know uh, guardrails are so important, not just for ourselves, like to protect us from us, yeah. uh, but, to, but to protect us from others or protect others um, from, from themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know actually going maybe a little personal in seminary, I remember I became friends, uh, with this one guy who was married and his wife was very like shy, kind of antisocial. Like she yeah. wasn't in a great place personally in her life during that season. Like she was very, um, reclusive and didn't really want a lot of friends and was very suspicious of, of anyone being around. And I could tell that that was like a strain on their marriage. Yeah. And so we're in school together. We're around all the time. And he's like, she doesn't want to go anywhere. Do you want to study? Do you want to have coffee? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to meet people. Right. And like, I'm hopefully that maybe she'll want, like maybe she'll want to have coffee with us one day. Mm -hmm. And we started hanging out. And then it just became clear that, um, not that like he was flirting or I was flirting, but it was just, if someone's relationship is in a fragile point, then right. providing an escape for him, even if it's just a friendship, may like right. you want to always be directing people to back to their spouse. Right. So yeah, it was really hard to to put up that guardrail because I had made a legitimate friend, and I think like we were both like n would never go anywhere that way. But I didn't want to create even an opportunity for him to emotionally be like, oh, this is a safe place, and oh, I can just. Um, you know, this is someone like this friendship, I can have carry some of the burdens of my life. Whereas mm -hmm. like, sometimes you, you need to say like, you need to love on each other, you and your wife before you're in a, a healthy position. And it position. probably felt awkward. Like, I feel like you are probably a, a rare person and that you were willing to have that conversation because I, I hate making people feel awkward. So, yeah. um, a conversation and we do like boundaries can make make for awkward conversations awkward um you can come across as rude or and I think I like know. he's a mature enough person that when you phrase it at like it's n like we have nothing going on now but like for the sake of your marriage and honestly for our friendship the most loving thing that we can do for one another is to give each other some space and there's been points where like their marriage was good and we were able to like repick up that friendship and just you know yeah. be pals and then like if they would go through a rough patch again we would step away and so mm -hmm. that he could totally focus his intention and his love and his energy on his wife and right it's just being mindful of that right. and being very, uh, as Brent said, you know, walking with wisdom, which is walking defensively, mm -hmm. like saying, not just accidentally falling into to holes or things that could trip you up, but yeah. looking for them. And that's not saying like, oh, just be paranoid all the time. Right. It's finding but, that fine balance of, I don't want to live as though everyone's always out to get me or everything is going to like turn to crap if I don't steer it in a completely opposite direction, but just kind of... Um, 
Yeah, I loved that illustration of walking, walking carefully, walking defensively. I know, like, when you're hiking, for instance, like, one of the hardest parts of hiking, especially when you're going downhill, is to continually scan the path for things that could trip you up, like a boulder or a rock that's not secure. Right. And it's like, you're like, man, I'd rather just be keeping my eyes up in the trees and the mountains and enjoying the scenery. But yeah. uh, that's not going to go great for me because <laughs> I'm not going to watch where my feet are going. Right. And I'm going to get tripped up I'm and it's going to ruin the bit. whole experience. Yeah. And that's, that's like life. There are going to be yes. points where you can stop and not worry about looking where your feet are going. But for the most part, we are working on something. We're walking. We're yeah. trying to grow our relationship with our parents or kids or coworkers. And in that, in that walk, we need to just watch where our feet are falling so that, you know, we enjoy ultimately the journey instead of yeah. beat up. <laughs> Absolutely. I, um, if you've been around any length of time, I gave myself away in that, I really enjoy watching people fall. It's one of my favorite things people have sent me. So America's Funniest Home Videos was your jam growing up? <laughs> totally was. Oh, my word. It for sure was. And I always like had this secret hope that um, something funny would happen to me and I would end up on the show. That was like... Oh would have been a dream come true like we had Bob one, Saget we had one VHS of our home movies and there was funny points but I like I didn't know enough right. to like how do I take what's on this one tape this one precious <laughs> relic and put it on another VHS because you had to send in a tape back in yes, the day yes back in the day you had to send in the actual tape and yeah we didn't know and I didn't know how to transfer anything and I didn't want to let this little tape go so nowadays yeah. you just send in cell phone footage and that's right? kind of sad but it, yeah it's too it easy it you don't know how it easy you it have on. it but anyways, all of that to say, some of the moments that I have laughed the hardest are uh, when Brett has fallen down. We've been on hikes, and he, he twice has taken pretty good I can't even picture falls. him falling oh down. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. It's because you can't picture him, and then you get to see it, and it is so <laughs> great. One time we were take, we had our dogs, we were coming down. It was just Badger Mountain, and it's like gravelly down at the bottom, you know, that loose gravel. Slip, man. And um, he just like lost his grip. And his feet just fell right out from underneath him. And he was carrying our dogs at that point. Like, our dogs are kind of fat and Purdy's blind. He was carrying Purdy. <laughs> Purdy just landed right on top of his chest. He was, like, flat on his back. Purdy was completely fine, content. Aww, had no idea what had just happened underneath her. Yes. And then I just start laughing once I know he's okay, which does not help the situation <laughs> Your pride in the least. is damaged. Right? <laughs> and then the second time that I just remember dying laughing is um, our anniversary this last year. I was pregnant with Clive. And he had taken me on this hike, like you could go left and it was a little bit more gradual. It took a little bit longer. Um, and then you could go right. And that was like in the hike book, it was difficult, difficult, which is real hard stuff, especially when you're 19 weeks pregnant or whatever. And so I'm like, let's go the gradual route. I just want to play it safe. And then of course he asks the guide. Like, I am man. Right? I climb yes. mountains. Which way would you recommend, sir? And he's like, oh, it's a little windy today. I would go to the right and just kind of weave back and forth. Well, I wasn't showing at this time. So had I said I'm pregnant, he probably would have wrapped us around the other way. Anyways, all that to say, it was a super difficult hike up the top. So you know when you're just living, living like in this wonderful world of... I don't know. You just feel like you can conquer everything when you're on your way down from one of those hikes. Oh, yeah. I was it's no, no longer cardio. Static. It's just. Yeah. And you're watching the people joints. who are only halfway up thinking that they're almost there. And you're like, oh, gosh, if they only knew what's coming. <laughs> um, and so Brent, like, looked up. We saw this owl. It was beautiful. But then he 
same thing, like lost the traction under his feet and just fell right onto his butt. Does he have hiking boots or is he just hiking in gym shoes? I think he was just wearing gym shoes that day. We didn't know we were going to be doing the difficult side. Typically, we just wear our gym shoes. Um, But we do have hiking boots. He just didn't have them on. It was June, so I think he was worried he'd be too hot. But anyways, um, it was great. All of that to say, you're right. It's so wise to be frequently looking in front of you, seeing if there's anything to trip you up. Um, And you don't have to act drastically really ever if you're constantly aware of what's in front of you a little ways. Because it's so hard. At that point, like, if when you hit the guardrail, there's nothing you can do. You're just waiting to see what the insurance claim is going to be. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, of course, we we always throw out the caveat of, um, like – this whole series uses the analogy that, oh, guardrails are there to, to protect us. But we do realize that, like, sometimes guardrails aren't even enough. And sometimes life comes at you so hard and so fast that um, no amount of protection could save you from that or nothing is going right. to save you from that gut punch. But in, in the end, we want to do whatever we can to to minimize the hurts and the bumps and the scrapes that can happen mm-hmm. as we do life. Right. Yeah. So guardrails are good. They are. They are good. I'm Sometimes excited even for just series. as a visual reminder of, hey, I need to slow down because oh. if there's a guardrail, then there's danger nearby. Right. So. Absolutely. Oh, I like it. Way to loop it all back around, Margo. You must I'm be a, a pastor or something. I try sometimes. But yeah, I'm loving this series. I think it's I think it's gonna be great. I'm excited. And be sure, you know, it's up on podcasts and videos, so maybe you have that cousin that you're like, Man, that girl has hit more card rails than uh, I even know what to do. Uh, share it with people because yeah. people may not want to take you up on an invite to church or may not live nearby, but a lot of people go to the gym or yeah, can listen to have long drives or podcast. like Brent, maybe vacuuming and <laughs> totally <laughs> want to get some, yes. some wisdom in their life. So yes. do that. All right. So are something interesting you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So another, I'll go first because another thing uh, that Brent was talking about when Referencing guardrails, as you said, unless you've driven over the pass in the last 30 years uh, where they have construction going on and those little boundaries, they're too close for comfort. Anyways, he said, though, he said, unless you've driven over the pass in the last 30 years because they've been doing construction since I was two years old, which would lead you to believe, if you do the math correctly, that he is 32. However, Brent is entering mid to late 30s tomorrow. So now all the, it's just, he's just... He's, he's rounding like, down. Yeah, yes. He's <laughs> rounding down. It's like a new box. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember what our age groups are on our next oh, card right now, but I'm pretty sure it's like 35 no, plus or like 35 I, to 40 I, or whatever. I love surveys when I'm still like in the younger yes. box. I'm like, oh. See, I'm 31 right now. And so it's so nice. I like am lumped in with the 29 and 30 year olds. It's wonderful. But 35, man, he's lumped in with a 40 year old. Oh, God. It's crazy. And so instead of something um, interesting about something I've read or watched lately. I have 35 quick little like interesting tidbits about Brent uh, that I'll just read off super fast. You might already know some of these, but guys, I'm so sorry about Clivey in the background. I He like sometimes stops making sounds, but not often. So, okay. Number one, he is the oldest of four kids. He is the big brother to three little sisters. His middle name is Daryl after what? his dad. Sometimes uh, I call him Darrell, and uh, it's really funny. Uh, his favorite color is blue. He hated coffee until he was 32 years old. Wow. Now he's like a little coffee, coffee snob. pro. He is a coffee snob. His first car was an 89 Celica. 
Reese's Pieces and Sour Gummy Worms are his kryptonite. In fact, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that he ate them during the Passion of the Christ movie oh, in the gosh. theater, which is <laughs> not so funny, not appropriate. Uh, he's a size 10 and a half in shoes. He grew up playing baseball and collecting baseball cards. He was always shortstop. That was his position. Um, he super hates bananas. You probably already know this about he Brent. Will he will actually like, like start Oh, he will gagging, dry heaving. Yes. Uh, he has blue eyes. His favorite movie is Goodwill Hunting. He's also a sucker for musicals, like for sure loves them. <laughs> he has Good every man. word of NSYNC celebrity album memorized. Oh, we need the to test this first. knowledge. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh. been years since he listened, and I'm sure he still could just spout it off. Um, I mean, we already heard him rap Fresh Prince oh, of Bel-Air. Yes. So. yes, it's in there somewhere. Um, his, Let's see. Oh, you guys. Oh, my word. I'll just slow down, is- and I'll take a... Oh, Margot's taking the babe. She's got the magic touch. Okay, so back at it. The first DVD he ever purchased was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. (laughs) He has a steel plate in his left ankle from a flag football accident in college. He's really good at playing the piano, but he does not do it in front of people, so you have to sneak up on him. He brews his own beer. He dated one of my college roommates. (laughs) <laughs> um, actually before we were roommates which is really funny so then uh we were dating when i was roommates with this gal he recently bought a kirkland signature tube socks pack and wears them we've reached that stage um he takes his steaks medium rare he went six months without a cell phone about four years ago he jumped into the ocean with it and we didn't want to fork over money for another one uh, whenever he talks to someone with an accent, probably Margot has heard this also, he starts speaking in an accent himself. It's hilarious. I can always tell when he's been on the phone with somebody uh, he's talking in an accent. He used to collect branches as a kid around the neighborhood and pull them in a wagon door to door to sell them as, sw- as swags. <laughs> it's like a little entrepreneurial seven-year-old is great. Um, he always leaves two apple slices at the end after he slices an apple. It's weird. He swears two of them. The way he slices them has more skin on them and they hurt his throat. So just <laughs> a super random one for you. Um, Cold plays something just like this is his favorite song right now. Um, let me think. We're almost through, guys. He will always ask a server in a restaurant what they recommend before ordering. Typically, he does not take one of <laughs> One of the options they give him, but he will always ask. It's pretty funny. He'd rather carry around five hefty, huge books in his backpack than try to read an ebook. Boogie boarding is one of his favorite things in the world. He once dressed to Steve Jobs for Halloween. One of his closest childhood friends is um, the musician Alan Stone's brother, Kenny Stone. He's one of Brent's good friends. Uh, he used to frost his tips of his hair every summer. And then he started graying and he kept doing it. And I had to kind of be like, uh, I don't know if three colors is necessarily what you're going for. Did he, did he ever use sun in? Oh, for sure. This, I used sun in too. So you had, I had like blonde hair and then the orange roots. <laughs> uh, he wears contacts. And um, at night when he takes them out, you guys should see his glasses. They're actual Coke bottle glasses. Have you seen them, Margo? <laughs> They're gigantic. He's a negative seven and a half. I don't know if you like have reference. Yeah, it's wild. I don't think that he could like serve in the military. He's that blind. And finally, I thought I would land on like a nice one um, because there's a story behind it. He does floss daily. 
recently Brent, Margo, and I were having a conversation about how it's inappropriate to tell anyone if someone else does not floss or brush regularly. So I thought I would be kind and tell you on his 35th one that he does floss like every day, I'm pretty sure. So the end, that is my stuff. I'll switch out with Margo really fast so she can tell you her interesting stuff. That was great. It's good to have some X. But uh, I'm really interested to see what he has to say when he comes back. <laughs> so for my facts, uh, I guess the fact about Margo is that Margo loves sushi. And, but I'm a, I'm a boring person when it comes to sushi because I never use the wasabi really? or the soy sauce or the ginger. <laughs> I like the wasabi and the ginger. I don't like the soy sauce. So I just, I, I'm just, it's kind of like steak. Like a lot of people like A1 steak sauce, even French fries. I don't really eat them with ketchup. I'm one of those people I'm like, if the food is good, I just want to taste the food. Like hot <laughs> sauce makes me so frustrated because if you put Tabasco on anything, all you're eating is Tabasco. <laughs> so, <laughs> purist. I, love I am it. a purist. So I, I wasn't ever very curious about wasabi or anything like that. Uh, but I was at my in-laws and they were watching some uh, like Asian chefs in America special <laughs> or something. <laughs> And they talked about um, how most of the wasabi, something like 95% of the wasabi you'll find in the United States is not actually wasabi. Oh. We've all been lied to. I do. <laughs> so I feel duped. Typically, it is just horseradish that has been dyed green. so <laughs> To make it look like wasabi. Yes. And awesome. they make it into a paste. Um, and some people will be like, oh, well, there's the powder. And I was like, yes. But the powder is like powdered coffee. <laughs> You are not getting the real deal. So why is wasabi so hard to come by? So I, I did um, watch the show to get some more information. And they said that wasabi is only grown right now in two places in America. Uh, it used to just be one. The second one is newer. So really? one of them is located in Half Moon Bay in California. And they were passionate about getting real wasabi back to chefs. And uh, the reason why it's not a popular crop, apart from the fact that it's just challenging to grow and very finicky in particular, mm -hmm. is that it's long term. So you had to wait, I think they said like three years oh, wow. before you have you can like, it. Yeah, something that is like food grade and enough to be worth it. Um, also, it has flowers or buds that are also edible, but you don't see those very often, probably because we don't grow it here. <laughs> probably. So wasabi is so hard to mimic, not just for those reasons, but also for the real purist wasabi person. Uh, you grind the root on what looks like a slab of sandpaper is like the traditional Asian method. And then that really fine paste uh, has a lifespan of about 10 to 30 minutes what yeah no yeah they said after that like the it drops off from like if you think of like a hundred percent of the pure flavor to like ten percent uh, oh. which is why you can't package it or right. like they do the powder but even then it like you what you're tasting is nowhere near to the complex richness that, that is wasabi so is fascinating. i love wasabi but now i feel like i shouldn't even be able to say that because it's probably <laughs> horseradish i love horseradish green horseradish see i don't like horseradish so it's not too shocking that i'm not a huge fan of wasabi but i thought that was pretty interesting that to is. like maybe you had to shake down your local sushi chef and be like what is this what is this you're serving me and go on the Off hunt for the real deal spicy tuna so <laughs> If you've tried the real deal, 
we want to know. We do. What, we want to hear what, about it. I'm very like, curious Where'd you get now. it? Who's your supplier? Green horseradish <laughs> tastes the same. Yeah. Who's your supplier? Who's growing that stuff? <laughs> if someone just tuned into the podcast, we are talking about wasabi. So <laughs> yes, we've made it far. Margo, thanks for having me. Of course. For thanks for shoes coming to fill. out. But uh, yes, join us for week two of... Uh, our series guardrails. It's going to be great. I'm going to uh, be in Pittsburgh. So I'm not sure who's doing the podcast next week. Oh my goodness! We're just going to leave it a mystery. There's going to be a mystery toes. guest. So exciting! I yes, can't wait I will to be hear. in the snow. So unlike Brent, you guys maybe no, don't have to feel sun. very envious. But I will be eating <laughs> pierogies. So that's that's the upside. Woo-hoo. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you can find me on Instagram at Adventures in Caffeine. And Kylie, do you have any social things I that people can I think I'm you just at? Kylie Johnson everywhere. S-E-N I like to keep it Johnson. real creative. Yeah. Instagram. Is really all if you want to see pictures of the baby that you've been yeah, hearing chirping. Yeah, you'll get <laughs> plenty of pictures of a blue-eyed baby. That's about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all we need in this life is blue-eyed babies. All right. Well, I uh, hope to catch you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye.